The DWA podcast is recorded live to SD card at the old Wrigley building in Santa Cruz, California. Driving while awesome podcast radio hour. <laughs> oh my god. Yo. Do you guys know what a fluffer is? GTO. Mellow grinds. Oh, I got a PT Cruiser. It's a convertible. It's really cool. All oh, this melts of crayons for you. <laughs> hey, YOLO. You only have one life. Do you have coilovers? No, beat it. Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty good podcast right there. <laughs> Damn it, I screwed up. Welcome to Driving Well Awesome. My name is Warren. I'm Lane. I'm Brian. And we are joined by uh, William Al. William, thanks for joining us. You're um, welcome. Thank you for inviting me. The listeners don't know this, but um, this is actually your house we're in. We're, you're, you know, the landlord here at the DWA studio. And uh, the old Wrigley building on the west side of Santa Cruz. We have to say, uh, I can say I'm the host. You're the host. Yeah, you're the host. Thank you for having (laughs) us. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for joining us. This is a Sunday edition, and uh, we were going to get into some some history and stuff. But I wanted to talk really quick before I forget about Morning Motors. Yeah, what's up? Did it it happen? It happened. Yeah, was that a thing? (laughs) Yeah, I heard a couple of people stop by. William was there too. Uh, yeah. This Sunday, the cars yeah. and coffee. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was fantastic. It was the best one yet. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Just barely better than last month. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a monsoon. <laughs> we had eight cars. William didn't come out without for that one. <laughs> we realized the solar panels don't oh, like yeah. provide much uh, rain coverage. <laughs> There's gaps. That's all. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. We're like standing under like a piece of like eye bar, just trying like trying to stay as well. Vertical. There is like a four foot square that you can stand in and mm-hmm. not get wet, but then one person, one yeah. person, yeah. yeah. So you can't talk to anybody. Everybody's standing in their own everyone's right standing square. in their own little you know, squares <laughs> like chess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately, they have to be like that by code. Oh really? really? Yeah. No yeah. way. Huh. Fire, they can't have like a gutter in the front and like a, ri- if a you traditional made them solid. Roof. It would be a structure, and they'd have to sprinkler it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. which Anything. we're trying to see if like some clever way of like figuring out some foam we can shove in there to make it solid. Yeah, uh-huh. because that would make it way better. Because nothing's better than you're like, yeah, I'm parked into this awesome structure and it's raining, yeah. and then you open your door and it just channels it right <laughs> down your window. Yeah, you're like, that exact thing oh, happened crap. to me. Even on right a pocket, even on a non-rainy day, yeah, like a, on a dewy morning. It's condensing it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It'll just, the you'll funnel. see all the little spots on the ground where it drips Gosh, through. That stuff. would be a structure, even though it's completely open. Yeah. It feels crazy to have sprinklers in a parking lot like yeah. that. Yeah, right? It's, What's it's it going to catch on fire? Yeah. Like, oh they don't it's do that in Europe. Not in I'll close. tell you that much. Go to, yeah, England, it's whatever goes. But yeah, how many spots are in, in the parking lot there? There's 165 spots. All right. Wow. So that was full. We were full. I was full. Plus, and I felt like people were double stacked. And, a couple. Yeah. And then there was people on the street as well. Right. I figured you probably had a couple hundred cars. Yeah. A couple hundred cars. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty good. The the most impressive thing to me was like looking around. I'm like, whoa, there's a lot of people. Right. It wasn't just cars. It was just like... I like pulled up a lot of people. And I, yeah. I roll in and you just see heads everywhere. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, it was like a yeah. real deal. Yeah. And, uh, Panda food trucks seem to be busy. I haven't talked to him since, you know, like I had him go sideways, like towards the which parking is way, lot. Which is way better. And it smart. seemed to really open it up. Like, and I saw people in line there all the time and stuff, which worked really well. I can tell you that the coffee shop Alta was very busy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't even walk in. They didn't have the little thing open. I don't the know cart. what's up with that. They didn't have the cart, which they should have. Yeah. And they had their small brew set up where before we warned them, we're like, hey, have yeah, a big yeah, brew yeah. set up. So then people who don't want their specialty coffees can walk in, yeah. drop their cash, yeah. get a cup of coffee, yeah. and then yeah. get out of there. Yeah. yeah. Then everyone 
course, who wants their special lattes or their flat whites yeah. or whatever the hell they, they have want. to wait in line. Wait, they're yeah. waiting, but then you're waiting behind them. You're like, I just want a cup of coffee. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they're amazing. Busy. Yeah. And it's Great awesome coffee. they're right there. Oh, oh yeah. It's so, so cool. Lucky. Yeah. Yeah. And that they're willing to do it. How long have they been there? I think about two or three years. Oh, that's it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I've worked with them all the way back in their late nineties because what? my wife and I used to own a coffee shop. Oh, no way. We used to have them exclusively roast all of our coffee when they were up at last chance up in Davenport. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so, how cool so is Patty, that? the owner makes amazing coffee. Yeah. She used to know all the growers like in Costa Rica and stuff. So she's, it's very personal to her. Yeah. Wow. It's cool. I, I it, it feels very like old school Santa Cruz to me. It is. It's you really know, cool. it feels like it would be down the old sash mill or something back in the eighties yeah. or something yeah, exactly. like that, you Cooper know, house or something. Yeah, exactly. It just has that vibe to it. Um, yeah. what was the coffee shop you owned? It was called the wired wash cafe. Oh, so, I remember that right yeah. downtown. Yeah. So it was a laundry mat cafe internet yeah and then we did music and venues and stuff after hours yeah, you guys had like punk bands would play there yeah, and exactly. stuff like that exactly yeah. and this is pre you know when you had internet cafes because no one had a smartphone yet yeah so <laughs> you know when all these tourists would come into town especially a lot of um um uh foreign mm-hmm. tourists they're like how do i connect to the internet because yeah. the internet you know it's relatively new yeah yeah that's that's, cool. that's awesome yeah right next to um what's called a little vegan or Oh, Saturn, Saturn, Saturn Cafe, Cafe yeah. yeah, Saturn Cafe, and then yeah. we had um, Kinko's, and yeah, we Kinko's had the Teen Center, too. which also jammed. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. there's a little wow. Teen Center. I remember that. Last month, wow. One, uh, one issue with Morning Motors is we had only one motorcycle I in know. attendance. I know. Do you have anything to say about that? <laughs> I was, I was okay, I, I'm the motorcycle guy, so of course, I, and I got him, he's one of my closest friends, so yeah. I got him to ride, and I felt bad because... I was actually stoked because my son and his buddy wanted to come. They're 16. So it was just the fact they wanted to come. I'm like, I'll drive. Yeah, that's cool. But I would have rode too. So oh, at right. least we would have had, had two bikes. Uh, okay. But we're going to try to get a whole contingency of guys cool. on two wheels. It definitely well, should. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. we we're talking about, you can, you can, you can pack them in any, you can pack them in. Any. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll, argue, I'll argue that they're cooler. Yeah. But, <laughs> well, the, the, it was a Moto Guzzi you brought, right? Yeah. The Guzzi. Yeah. Rad. Yeah. Super cool. Very uh, good eye appeal. I don't know anything about the motorcycle, but it looked great. And, and that was fully custom. He tore it all apart. Really? And it, if you would have saw what it looked like, it looked like kind of like a gold wing. Oh. It was like an old 70s Moto Guzzi or a big fat was one? Like a, it was like a 99, but oh. with Guzzi, they, oh, wow. they haven't changed yeah. their architecture. But if you think about them, it's a European style where it's evolution, not revolution. Yeah. So they, they make something good and like a, say a 911, and then they just keep working on the same format. And there's parts like there's literally parts on his bike that are on the current bike that I could go on the rack on those ones from the 70s yeah. and exchange same. parts. I could no take the way. transmission off. I could pop the transmission on. The cases are the same. Wow. Some of the cylinders ahead, the, the wow. cylinder rod pieces. They try to like minimize doubling up parts. Right. Which is cool because then it's like, you know, it it's really like cool. 30 or yeah. 40 it year works. lineage yeah. of a totally 911, like you said. Completely. Is it? That's awesome. Is there any truth? I thought I heard a rumor that. Moto Guzzi is like an airplane engine. Uh, the the history of that that motor is an- it's funny. So the reason why there's an eagle on it is because Carlo Guzzi and there was another guy. Um, I was I think it was Peroni. Um, it was Carlo Moto and Guzzi. No, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, art's not here, so I'm trying to keep it. <laughs> so, anyways, they were in they were in the Italian Air Force. So the eagle represented the Air Force. You know, emblem. Sure. Gotcha. And so, um, but their whole thing was motorcycles. They started off with singles and eventually went to twins. The twin configuration you see now, which is the V twin, but a transverse. So it, it's laid out like a, like, like a, like a VA right. with a transmission right. and a drive shaft. Um, 
they used that as kind of like a military device at first. Huh. The only time it's used in motors is the military for a long time used the motor itself in drones to shoot down. Like if you want to use targets, they would oh. use that as a dispendable. So it was oh, really? flying. It, yeah, it was, like, it was like a drone before there was real drones. So like, right. oh, this engine sucks. Like, yeah, we'll yeah, just, just use this just thing. Just fly it out and just target. It's like, yeah. a, it's like a sporting clay and just shoot it. <laughs> what a weird Wow. How strange. Huh? Yeah. It yeah. is very unique, though, when you see those on the road because of that configuration, right? The, right. The cylinder heads are sticking out of the sides. It's, I mean, But it works because you're yeah. like, oh, both cylinders are in the air. It's air-cooled. Right. It's very symmetrical. So the, the, the um, exhaust sticking out look right. You have uh-huh. a pipe on either side. Decent center of gravity. Right. And you you actually have a good center of gravity. The nice thing is when you work on them, all the fluid oh, flows down. So when you adjust all your valves and stuff, they're all right there in your face. You don't have to take the tank off. Uh, it's right. all exposed. Hmm. Or if you're doing a BMW, everything's falling off. It, the everything's side. falling. So there's always this, there's a battle between the BMW guys and the Moto uh-huh. Guzzi guys because they always say that a Beamer looks like a Guzzi with uh, lazy tits. Yeah, yeah. A droopy Gucci. Because <laughs> a droopy, they're like, yeah, uh, yeah. it's like yeah, yeah. Like it needs a bra. Yeah. So are you a Gucci guy? I'm a Gucci guy. Yeah, you have yeah. a few, like, Gucci. The, the, the whole rack out there is all Gucci's. I didn't. So, the whole thing is. And they're all, like, race bikes. It's an stuff, old huh? homage to Gucci. So, yeah. um, so did, Gucci, did they race? They raced for a long time. They have a really? huge history of racing. So like seventies or so, 60s or what? So they started in nineteen twenty one. So what's cool is they're having their hundredth anniversary oh. in next year. Rad. Oh. So then there'll be a huge go to Lake Como, uh Mandela Delario was where they're built. And they're gonna have you're gonna see like twenty no twenty thousand people show up. When are you, the world. When are you packing the yeah. container? We're working on it right now. <laughs> so we're talking say. like we gotta we gotta make oh, it happen. Yeah. yeah. But um it's a the most picturesque place. To where they're building motorcycles. I mean, it should be scrapped and it probably should be like high end real estate. Because yep. right across the way is Bellagio, where you have like George Clooney and all this other yeah. celebrities. But you have this old like World War II style factory where they're building these things. And true to form, the typical Italians is that it's one of those places where you, I, I, I did a tour where I went to all the different factories in Italy because I just love bikes. And they're different. Some are like you go to Aprilia and they're, they're wonderful, but their production. Uh, floor changes every day or every week and it could be we're doing a scooter next day it's a sport bike next day it's some other vehicle it could be a refrigerator i mean oh, yeah. in concept yeah, yeah you know but it's really neat to watch but it's it's very it's very um clean and it's mm-hmm. modern no and modern no personality just parts come in they assemble them and they're built somewhere else yeah. and then they're done and then you have like ducati and maybe laverda who are a little different or kind of like half of that but Gucci comes in. It feels like like raw pieces of metal and rubber come in one door, and then a motorcycle <laughs> spits out the other side. Wow. And they're machining the stuff. They're making the stuff. And then on the top of the factory, they have a full track. Wow. One of those still. Right. And it's the only one I've seen like that is that if you go to the Lingato in in um, Torino, um, the old Fiat factory. Fiat factory has that bank. Which reminds me of this. And I yeah. saw... You know, after this building was done, I went and saw that and I was like, holy crap, this is what we need. Yeah. We need a, we need a yeah. track on the top of this oh, building. Oh man, yeah. with the banking and everything. Banking. Yeah. Tenants would love it. Right. With, with, <laughs> with like a, like a radio tower in the middle. Yeah. Like, it looks like an airport yes. tower yes. in the middle. Car track. And you Dude, it could up. also be a, a biking, like a, for like bicycles, a like a velodrome. Yeah. Right. It's, but Gucci's like that. And the guy, the, the test guy is like, they're hauling ass. Like if they make a mistake, they're like in the next oh, county. Whoa. Cause it's like launch, it's all velodrome style. Huge banking. Wow. Right, like 20, 30 degree bank yeah. to keep the speed up because well that's why they're next to a lake right it's, <laughs> just it's, fly into the it's lake. amazing so 
So, so part of it's extra personal. I love that because I've worked on those since, since high school and college, imported parts, did modifications of these things. And then, um, I brought my current wife, my wife over there and we got engaged there. So like right nice. there in front of the factory. So we'd have to come back. And that was, oh, her, that was her dream. That was her dream. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's a piston ring. Here you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're good. It was, well, it was right in front of George Clooney's house. And right. It was like a whole thing. Yeah, we but, had to do it. Yeah, all. George right. Clooney would have jumped in. Yeah. yeah. But luckily it predated George Clooney. <laughs> nice. It's nice. Um, oh, that's huge. Yeah. Oh, that is so good. That makes me want to like Gucci so bad. All, all of a is sudden. It, is it wrong? Just did Gucci like disappear for a while and then come back or? It, well, they kind of, they kind of like, they fluctuated where all, there might be a, a period where it's like, you know, they sold like 500 units in yeah. the US or a thousand units and worldwide it might be like two or three or four thousand. Even now, if you think about it, their production is probably like, Eight thousand times worldwide, more than I would have guessed. I just always remember. For some reason, I have an I have an idea of them as being like a Harley competitor and just like the big cop bikes and stuff like that. Right. You know, like the Italian cop bikes. Right. Well, because the the and um, then I obviously see yours here in the hall, and I'm like, those are not the Gucci's I know. Their heritage was racing. Okay. Yeah. And it's I always thought of them as big cruisers. Now they're kind of playing on the the nostalgia and the history. Yeah. So you see more of the cruiser. And in America, they were more popular. Cruiser is more popular here. Is that when they had a model in the early seventies? They have an ambassador, and then the Eldorado. And the Eldorado was used by the CHP. Oh, and so, if you look at like um, Clint Eastwood, like the Enforcer, yeah. Remember at one point that like there was an assassin on like, mimicking to be a cop. Uh, well, he was on the Gucci. Uh, and so, if you see him, so I worked at a shop in in Long Beach, right on the edge of Signal Hill, and we restored those, and um. And so then you got to see them with like the built-in sirens and all the, the floorboards yeah. and all the pieces that came with them. And then you, some of the decommissioned cop stuff. Yeah. And they'd have like the bars the big, covering the big, yeah, yeah, and the all that stuff. Bars and stuff. Yeah, so that, I guess probably, I probably watched the enforcer and I was like, Oh, that's a, that's a motor. It's a Harley, but it's a Gucci. And yeah. they, but they handle, they actually handle huh. and they sound good. And they're, the engineering is actually super sound. Mm-hmm. Um, those things can take a beating and they work. Hmm. Interesting. Um, but the flip side is you go back a little bit of history with Gucci and they made really cool stuff. Like they made racing singles of all different configurations, but their biggest claim to fame is they're the only ones to make a racing V8. So they uh, had a 500 cc V8. Eight. Right. Wow. So that CC. The thing would fit in your hand. It was like a jewel Jeez. with eight, eight unique oh carburetors, eight of everything. How crazy what, that sound! That? Oh, that sounds like fifty-five, fifty-six. Did it rev in the fifties? Yes. So right, when everyone else had singles and twins, and it's like a little a Ferrari engine, right? Yeah. Right. Any Ferrari model. But they yeah. said it was so expensive. But they race, and where everyone else was doing back then, like I don't know, one hundred and twenty, one hundred and thirty racing. Yeah, yeah. I think they hit like one hundred and eighty. Wow. Out of a five hundred cc motor, and it was full dustbin fairing so it was like hand beaten aluminum yeah. of that era where it covers the front wheel completely not so good with the have a side wind but just mm-hmm. about efficiency and speed because the bikes didn't make much power yeah but like they raced it for two years i think they got like a grand prix championship and then said we're done and then at that point racing kind of tapered off yeah <laughs> i think it just took too much money where does it rank in the hierarchy of motorcycles compared to a ducati or mv agusta or what, you, you know, know it's <sighs> Triumph, Norton. Right. Yeah. Which, which, you know, but if you look at the, say the Italian bikes, um, everyone's like, Oh, the Ducati is like the Ferrari of motorcycles. Right. And it kind of is. And they kind of have, they play up that nostalgia more, but Gucci's to me are more genuine. They've been around longer. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so it's different. I don't know if I would say like it's like the Alpha or if it's like the yeah. It's not really say like a Lamborghini because everything they have is not sporty anymore. Do do they have sporty models right now? Not or, really. So, oh really? Mm. And so what what about like in the seventies, like where you know, we, and you're a big vintage bike guy, and you do vintage bike runs, and you kind of you you build up the classics. Do they have a, a, a smattering of sport bikes from that era? They do, they okay. do. So if you go look on the rack, yeah, the, the one they, they called them flash bikes at the time, and and you can look at the era because um, when you see like the things like the Panteras, like the Di Tommaso stuff. Well, for a while there, he owned Gucci. He owned Gucci and Benelli huh. and a few others. So you actually, if you look at some of the designs, honestly, they were super ugly. They were like super blocking square. You could tell they were auto designers trying to design a motorcycle, hmm. and it just didn't work. Huh. But um, but but they had these ears called the flash bikes, where it was like they looked maybe even sexier than they actually were in performance. And they went fast for their era, but they just looked sexier. Flash yeah. meaning just they for just, show. Right, it had, yeah, like, yeah. had like an extra pizzazz. When you look to the equivalent like Japanese bike or Harley or something mm-hmm. like that, you're like, yeah, they look good. You look at these and you're like, oh, they just ooze like sexuality. Yeah, yeah. but so, they didn't go that well. No, they actually went well. I mean, okay. they, they went well. I mean, it was like, you know, if a bike at the time could do 120 that was pretty fast. Yeah, yeah. Right, because they had a teeny, teeny little fairing and they were When you said the the bikes by a car designer i i just i had that picture of the harley with the 57 chevy oh, styling God. you know oh, the people geez. do with the, the fin yeah, on the back right, like, uh. right, yeah. <laughs> it was just yeah making me uncomfortable <laughs> there was just you know there was a period of time when like the italians went through some really awkward design mm-hmm. and it's just some of the stuff where it's like you know you look at back now and you're like oh nostalgic it's kind of nice but you're like it's just not attractive yeah. yeah do you go to the quail motorcycle gathering yeah yeah, yeah every year yeah that's finales and all that stuff yeah that's a great show it's super fun. I think I've gone for like the last three or three or four years. I've been super good once. It was great. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's it small. Awesome. It's approachable. It's not that expensive. Yeah. They give you a great meal and, you know, yeah. you shove 400 bikes in the area of like, you know, putting green. And the yeah. variety is amazing. I mean, it's, it was, yeah, really cool. And, and you're not just motorcycles. I see a couple scooters out there. Yeah. I got some scooters out there, two wheels. I mean, I love cars too. So that's the thing is I can, I can, you know, I geek out about all this stuff. I'm one of those guys like, um, I literally like I have every magazine of every purchase since the mid eighties. And so every <laughs> that's one of the things I told these guys, because when we first met, that's something you said. It's, where like, do you oh, keep man. them? It's almost like here hidden away somewhere. Yeah. It's almost like the bank. Cause they're like, they're organized in boxes and they're on pallets. And everyone's like, get rid of these. But I'm like, so heavy. The information every, that's in those magazines is not on the internet. Yeah. yeah, It's not on the internet. It's not there. Yeah. It's like, you think it is, but that's, you know, where publications are going away and I'm sad they are. I think the one thing they could have to offer is if they had an actual functional archive process Yeah, where you could pull a magazine or pull up a model or pull, you know, it's like, Hey, you're, say you're doing a nine 11 restoration. Hey, if you pull up all the period articles, it's completely different than a retrospect of someone yeah. does it 30 years oh, totally. in yeah. the future. You're like, Oh, it's quaint and it's cute and it's slow. And it's, you know, that mindset opposed to the, that hey, this was cutting edge at the time. Right, yeah. seeing how it compares to its contemporaries. Right. No, it's also interesting because something we love now, it might they might have been reviewed as total shit back then because right. because compared to its competitors, it wasn't great. But now you yeah. look back on it fondly, or, and, or it's yeah. almost the reverse in some ways. It's like hey, if you have let's say hey, you know you're playing with a lot of those say Strakos or mm-hmm. nine forty four or something like that, you're like hey, this era 
that was a performance vehicle. Oh yeah. Compared to modern vehicles, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, that's cute. I mean, in comparison, because yeah, yeah. it's not, you know, it's like you can get an economy car that's almost as fast. Oh, fast, technolo- way faster. Technology yeah, is pushed on, yeah. so it's not fair to compare it in, in modern eyes. Yeah. It's like you want it in your contemporary eyes when it's like, mm-hmm. hey, at the time it was built with the technology and what was available to it, it was something pretty special. Yeah. And so to have those articles written from that mindset where it's not it's not filtered or it's not like jaded or it's not rosy tinted. Yeah. Is like, it's just honest. Cause there were new, new vehicles at the time. The articles were written. Those are That's great. Cool. Yeah. So there's, you can't get rid of them because you have full collections, right? right. So it's right. like you have the entire year or five years of the same magazine and like, you can't just get rid of one of those. And that magazine doesn't exist anymore. Probably. Right. right. So like, there are a few people that are, there's, couple organizations that have taken this cause seriously. Stanford is doing it. Really? Revs Institute in Florida. Oh. uh, The Colliers, they're creating a database. And Bill Hara had a, like, reputable library that he would use for restorations. Same thing, though. So you're you're just ahead of your time. Yeah, the the Revs Institute has a, they have a, a center at Stanford College. And they have, they're archiving, like, all road tracks, I think. And I forget what else. They're trying to do it, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're, you're doing yeah, you the right thing. Yeah, you should probably thing. talk to them. That would be, that would be really yeah. neat. Cause I feel like otherwise the stuff is going to be kind of lost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if it just gets scrapped and goes to gray bears, you're like, that's so much data. Do that. That's just, that's just. We, yeah, you just uh, need someone with a, a template for how to, how best to scan it, what formats and, you know, what's the, valuable the organization and stuff. Well, like, and you're not going to do that. Like it's, imagine how much work that is. Well, the funny thing is for a period of time, I did do that. Really? It was crazy. I would at work after hours <laughs> and we just had copy machines. I would go through every magazine and I would, t- I would copy all the articles of each era of us like so you it, kept the original and you had a copy well because so here's 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 why and this is so horrible <laughs> the the horrible reason is I, I i grew up as a comic collector so to me all those things were like i wanted to keep them pristine they're precious oh, yeah. and they're precious right. they were it's yeah. like i was like you just like if anyone touched my magazines or crinkled them or wrinkled them <laughs> yeah. and all my buddies know this so yeah. i'm like i touch it and i'm like don't don't wrinkle it like don't they're like folding it back on itself right, or right. dog earring yeah. it. I'm like, no 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 stop scratch like, their, just, their ears with the corner put it down go away so um because you know you collect comics and so you yeah. start getting that mindset you can't change it yeah and so you, as you collect all yeah. the the magazines so it'd be like the American magazines, the British magazines, the Italian magazines. I'd go to, to Japantown to get the Japanese yep. magazines, even though I couldn't even read Japanese. <laughs> but and they and they were and they they read backwards, uh-huh, which, I, yeah. which I kind of liked. Cool. Yeah. But they were on beautifully great gloss, photos, greatest photos, beautifully glossy um, uh, um, uh, material. Like you know, these were like twelve dollar magazines. Say, everything like else was like a buck ninety five. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, it was like thick card stuff. Right, and, yeah. and but they and they you can see that they. Their mindset, they cherished like the vehicles differently. Like, I don't even think they rode them, but the whole idea of the look and the feel behind totally. it. Like, yeah. That's hey, they look retro and cool, right? It's yeah. like, it was, it was, you know, a thing. That's cool. That's so, amazing. so you keep those here in the Wrigley building? I do. Okay. That's awesome. <laughs> we own, I want to tour someday. As the 2019 Formula One season wraps up, the best way to stream every second of the action is with ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN lets you easily catch every race. Get set up in under 10 minutes and enjoy HD streams throttle free. Here's how it works. If you don't have a US cable subscription, ESPN2 is a great way to tune in. Get ExpressVPN and then connect to a server location in the US. Visit YouTube TV or PlayStation View and use the free trial. For those in the UK, you can catch every race on Sky Sports F1. 
Just get ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, and visit Sky Sports on Now TV. ExpressVPN works on your computer, your phone, router, and consoles like Fire TV, so you can watch all the action from any device. Enjoy all the remaining races this season in HD with the world's most trusted VPN, ExpressVPN. Use our special link today to get three months free at expressvpn.com forward slash awesome. That's expressvpm.com forward slash awesome for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com forward slash awesome to learn more. Thanks. Oh, um, I'm really curious about the Wrigley building itself. I yes. mean, I know I used to ride my bike over here and get free gum, you know, walk in and get a, like they'd give you the 25 cent pack of gum or whatever. Back in the sixties. Yeah. Back yeah, in the sixties. Right. 60s. right. Yeah, it's back in like the nineties or whatever, early or late eighties, early nineties, I guess. Most kids were fishing him out of the garbage can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what we do at NHS. Like what's your scraps at the um, shop. But yeah. So when did you take over this building and did you, you created what it is today, right? Yeah. So, so a little bit of history behind it. The building was built in 1954 by Wrigley's, and it was about 110,000 square feet. And then they expanded it by another 270,000 feet for a total of 385,000 feet um, in 72. And this was like the manufacturing facility for all the chewing gum for like Western U.S., parts of Asia, wherever. And why Santa Cruz? It seems so weird. Because it was remote and cheap. I mean, if you think about it, look at East Cliff or like anywhere on the east side of town. How many mobile home parks are there? There yeah. are ton, yeah. tons of them. Yeah, yeah. right all, on the beach. It, yeah. All the houses are tiny fishing. It was like weekend shacks. Yeah, yeah it was a retirement community. You know, it wasn't a university community until, what, like 64? Yeah, late yeah. 60s. Right. Yeah. Oh, and then yeah. the University of Santa Cruz and Cabrillo was built basically at the same time, yeah. which is pretty amazing to think about. There's all these, there's all these specific anniversaries that are happening, like 50 and 100 day anniversaries where like pretty monumental things happened here, which was pretty amazing. Yeah. And then it feel like nothing's happening. Yeah. Um, but, um, so, but this was a cheap place to live. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, my folks, they bought their house in 1970. It was 17,000 bucks. I and it was right, stories. it was right on like the hook. Yeah. yeah. Right there, you're like you could just throw a rock in the water. Yeah, yeah. but it was Amazing. a teeny little bungalow, and I'm like, yeah. why didn't you buy ten of these? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Uh, you know, it's, yeah. it was it's relative, to, right? It was yeah. relative, but yeah. I mean, even seventeen thousand dollars. It wasn't relative though. That was right. like that yeah. was a lot of money, but that was right. probably yeah. still at least one person's year salary. Mm-hmm. You know, what's that same house now? Yeah, they rebuilt it. I saw it and recently sold for about two million. Yeah. That is not one, one person's year salary. That right. might that's yeah, yeah. Not, not even probably ten years of salary. Yeah, you could if work you're doing really well. You could work at CVS and buy a house back then. So, right, you're you a know, bank manager. Yeah, and like a really nice. House. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it was a small bedroom community, retirement community, and then just you know, I'm going to get this whole horse about the development here, but basically the lack of development, we didn't grow appropriately, and so things become valuable. It's like we're in a great location where people want to be. There's a lot of money near here. Some people can afford it, and so. They're going to make things more valuable. Supply and demand is simple. Yeah. yeah. So, um, anyway, so, so 1972, they expand like so, crazy. Yeah. 72, they expanded yeah. and then they built all the way up until 96. And then 96, they decided one, the city built around them, got started, real estate started getting too expensive, started getting expensive for the employment, which is a big thing happening now. Mm-hmm. And then said, and everything was aging out. So their attitude was like, hey, well, we're going to build a brand new factory which will be state-of-the-art, new equipment, we'll sell off all of our stuff, and we, they put it in, like, northern Georgia. 
and and they sold their equipment off to like China or, or Russia or somewhere. And but the nice thing is they invited everyone who worked there to move with them. Say, hey, if you want to come with us, cost of living is way less expensive. You could buy a house, you know, a pretty nice house, and stay with the company. And so they left in '96, and then from '96 until uh, I worked on the acquisition on this in 2004, it was like a series of owners like out of Chicago partners trying to figure out what to do with this thing, this big old hulking building. That no, like, no equipment. Yeah, inside, well, it's like, right? well, it wasn't, there was, it wasn't there a was, factory anymore. There was a lot there. of leftover components of equipment, like uh-huh. things that attached to, like the flumes and the chases and all the sure. piping and all that stuff. Basically, a bunch of stuff to throw throw away. Right, you got to break yeah. it down. It's expensive, right? Because yeah. like someone else doing a poor restoration, you got to break it down to then do hopefully a better restoration. And you're like, and someone, anyways, there's a cost to it. So um, it, it's well documented. But the long story is that um, I felt I I had gotten. Um, been doing real estate since about 95 and prior to this had worked with like brought uh, Fox racing shocks from San Jose to Watsonville. And I, you know, I like this, I like the world. So I worked with a lot of motorcycle dealerships, um, uh, motorsport companies, those, you know, kind of the adage is like, you know, do what you love and you never work a day in your life. Yeah. So it was kind of like, Hey, anytime I can roll any type of things in like a wheeled sport mm-hmm. into what I like to do in real estate, I'm like, that's a win win. I'm like, my, sure. my motivation is like yeah. extra high. Yeah. So with this one, it was like, you know, we came in and bought majority share from a partner who owned this. We sold a partner with us. Um, a great guy out of uh, San Francisco. And then my family owns the, the, the remainder of this. We have some minority ownerships inside there. And it was just over time, just trying to figure out what to do with this. And, and part of it was conventional real estate 101 is like, well, find a big tenant and have them take it over and collect a check. Sure. And that's part of it. And the ground floor kind of worked. So we worked. And when I got control of this, it was probably 25% occupied. So 75% vacant. And just over time, started reconfiguring it and building it kind of the traditional real estate model. But at the time, you know, this part of town was like into the earth. No one wanted to be here. Yeah. So it was like, you almost had to bribe people like, please come take some space. Yeah. It was like for so cheap. No man's. I mean, there's nothing out here. Right. Everyone's like, I'm not, I'm not going past Harvey West park. I'm not going down mission street for sure. Yeah. This is no way. Right. The far end. It was like, it's like, what? It was like, Hey, we'll, we'll give you rent 25 cents a foot. Just come on out, please. And so over time it, it took time to establish that. And then working with some other companies to get a foothold, the trickiest part is on the second floor where we are now, it's about 145,000 feet. And, um, no one wanted to be up here. No company wanted it. Cause it's like, it's a choke point. It's like, like, well, how do, you know, if I, if I build a factory here and Getting I have in. product upstairs, how do you get product downstairs? Yeah. And it's confusing. And it's like, there's a couple stairwells and there's an elevator. And so, but part of it is, you know, try to be a astute person and pay attention and, you know, talk to people and always have conversations. But, after about the hundredth or two hundredth time when someone says, I really need a space, but it's gotta be a small space. Then I'm like, you know, we gotta build small spaces. So that's where this upstairs is kind of this unique dynamic setup. And then I worked closely of like, you know, being here in my offices here and then laying it out with architects, trying to figure out a zillion configurations of how do we make this work with what's here? So how do you work with the sprinklers that are here? How do you work mm-hmm. with the lighting that's here? How do you make it so it flows and all the paths of travel or all the stuff you're supposed to be doing and blah, blah, blah. And so, but we got to work. And then 
now like the, a little Tetris game or something. Right. It's kind of it's kind of like yeah. you know it's problem solving. And yeah. when was this the like it, the it got built that, out that of part here? Started around 2012. Okay. Where I got you know kind of did the bigger build out of finishing this up because I had a lot of really cool companies that did like video production and storage and like Bay Photo did all of their everything you see on metal print was done large was done here. Oh, cool. So some of the most amazing artists had their stuff here and they'd come and inspect everything and but it was all no walls. So it was like, all right, here's your tape demarcation, but don't cross <laughs> another person's space. Oh, yeah. So people will be wandering around like right. don't do that. And but we had movie shot here. We had a lot of cool video shot here. Huh. Even recently like I didn't realize one of them was E40. Oh, what? He yeah. shot a video here. That's awesome. Got him on the podcast. Our, our, our local, um, one of our local guys, um, uh, um, Reggie Stevens, uh-huh. well-known athlete, yeah, yeah. right? And he's cruismatic. That's his, uh-huh. that's his alter music ego. And, um, his producer wanted to shoot a video, let him shoot a video here, had all the sign offs and stuff. And it was where Santa Cruz bikes is now when it was vacant between transitions. And the producer liked us so much. He said, Hey, I'd like to shoot another video here because this worked really well. I'm like, sure. Sign up all the releases and let's do it. And, um, who is it? It's a, a guy named E40. And I'm like, cool. Who is that? I'm like, I didn't know who that was. I'm like, <laughs> my arrows, I come from the eighties. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know too short. And I know, yeah, yeah. I know, um, Oh, who's the guy? I uh, can't touch. Oh, this. what's his name? Oh, MC oh, Hammer. MC Hammer, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I think of Oakland rappers. I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah. you know, three, five, seven. I'm like, I yeah. got it. But I'm like, I don't know who this E40 is. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And they do it. And then later on, I come to find it's like, like my son and others, like, no, yeah. E40 is really big. Yeah, yeah. And it was like he exploded again. Yeah, like, and I'm like, recently. I'm like, yeah, this is super cool. So I'm like, yeah. all right, how random? That's rad. Anyway, so um, anyway, so, so fast forward, what's happened is, um. We felt like we made a really good foothold on the west side of Santa Cruz, making this kind of like you know between us and Kelly's Bakery and that whole area. Right. And in the meantime, yeah, other the, stuff is right. Come, stuff yeah. is building up New around leaf. it, and and now I feel like the west side has become the attractive spot where everyone wants to be, and we're you know kind of the center of the city in some respect, where people want to be. And proximity university is huge, and now we have the luxury of we have all these great companies here. And we have demand for people who want to be here like badly. Yeah. So now we can, the important part for me is kind of curating this thing that says, all right, now we can be selective of who's here because now it's a community. We have companies adjacent to other companies, adjacent to artists, adjacent to other activities. And what makes kind of the best mixture of the component opposed to just filling a space and paying rent. And yeah. That part is like a given. It's like, all right, if you're going to come here, yes, I expect that you're financially stable and that you can pay the, whatever the rent is. And we try to keep our rent actually on the low end of the market, but then the exciting part on top of it is like, all right, that's like the business one-on-one that has to happen. Yeah. The exciting part is like, what do you do? You know, it's like, oh, we're one wheel. We, we make these yeah. one wheel skateboards and people are cruising around these skateboards or we do bicycles or we do one of them did handbags mm. we have a bunch of medical device companies here that make super cool stuff off the yeah. radar. Um, even energy drink company, you know, what mountain biking, in, uh, Santa Cruz San, mountain, San mountain bikes is a huge one. And it, it's, yeah. you know, this is the epicenter for that, yeah. which is exciting. And yeah. we have so much mountain bike industry stuff in this town. And we feel like between Ibis next door and voodoo and Fox and specialized and, uh, Giro and race face and kind of on and on and on. And we have Cruz, all yeah. those right Sounds here. Nice. Um, and so, um, we have a lot of neat things happening 
here. So we're trying to curate this and make it better. Having you guys here is amazing because yeah. I think we've really upped the uh, property value. <laughs> right, and really, it's like change the dynamics. <laughs> no, it's but it, it's, discussion at the water cooler. But, <laughs> but to think about the activity is that you know on Sundays now on once a month, there's this thing where it's like out of people show up and they're like their jaw drops. Like, yeah. what, what is this? I had several people who didn't know we would didn't know anything about it. Just happened to come by and like, what is going on? And they're really excited about it. It was kind of fun to tell them like what's going on. And, I think it's what you guys yeah. have done is amazing. And so the neat part is like you show up at eight or eight or nine, that's things happening by 11. It's ghost town. Yeah. And then if you yeah. were to show up at 1130, you have never known this even existed. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the beauty of it. And it's the same because we have, we have the farmer's market across the street on Saturdays. Yeah. And that's and super popular. We work at them for Which 10 years. Which is such a cool thing. I mean, right. I, well, I'll like ride there with my family and it's just, feel, it, feel, it feels great because we support what they're about. We just forever just, Hey, you guys have this for free. Just do it because yeah. It's twofold. One is we want to support what they're about, and that's huge. The other part of it is, you know, there's a little gorilla marketing in there is that when we started this thing, people didn't know the difference between the Lipton building where they made tea, yeah. the Wrigley building where they made gum, the TI building where it's now UCSC. Right. The general public didn't know the difference. Yeah. And so when I put the farmer's market in, it was like, oh, it's the Wrigley parking lot. And then all of a sudden it became part of its identity. It's like, oh, yeah. I clearly know the difference between the Wrigley building and the Lipton building because no one's going to show up there for the farmer's market. Right. right. Yeah. And so it's, it was a win-win. It's like, hey, we get some exposure out of this thing that gives us some branding and some identity and some, you know, mm-hmm. some, some presence. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, we're hopefully not just. I know it's so water. cool. Like I, I've, you know, I've been here during the day and it has such a, I, you know, I tried to explain, like I brought a friend here and he's like, dude, the environment here is so cool. It's like just walking through the hall, you know, there's people like yeah. sitting, there's all these random couches and chairs out in the hallway <laughs> and people are sitting out there like working and it has this like, it has this very, um, it just has a really cool artistic vibe to it. And it's like just walking around the halls and you have your motorcycles in the hallway and, um, and there's the artwork and, you know, Sam Farr pictures right. over there and stuff. <laughs> and, uh, it all just has this really cool liveliness and it makes you, I don't know, it gets all your juices flowing and like what makes you, you want to be here basically. It's a yeah, really cool like atmosphere. You're walking through the hallway and it's just huge, like so mm-hmm. tall and wide. Yeah. And, like I've been here on first Friday events and, yep. and different like art events yep. that you guys Those are put on ones. and, that's rad. Everyone's like lining the halls, showing all their different stuff. And it's all like, I, I've been to it where it's like a lot more hip than you would expect. You yeah. know, like some of the yeah. art shows that you would go to are a little more stuffy and right. yeah. yeah, this, all the cement everywhere. It's, uh, you know, mixed in. It's just kind of a cool. Yeah. My cool first studio. time in here was going to the, um, with the studio, what's the big art studio? Oh, there? Uh, the Blitzer Gallery. Yeah, the yeah. Blitzer Gallery, and it was for like a fundraiser for my my kid's school. Oh, yeah, um, for Bayview, and it was you know it was in there, and they had it's an like, auction like going on and stuff, full on party. It was like, whoa, this place is so cool. Yeah. Um, and the entrance is so unassuming here. Unassuming. Too. People walk in and they're scared. They're looking and go, yeah, am you, I gonna get mugged? You walk like, through the door this? and there's just a stairwell, and it's like the old stairwell. You're like, I guess we go upstairs, you know? It's like, but it's kind of cool because it's almost like, um, a secret it's club. like going to New York and yeah. I've been to these restaurants in New York and they're like, Oh, the ad, you know, it's this restaurant, but the address is like five, two, nine. And you go and all it has is the address and you walk in, and you're like, Whoa, this is like a amazing restaurant, but there's no windows, no anything. It's kind of, it has that vibe to it. I, I love watching people's expressions when they walk in because it, yeah. it's, Honestly, it's kind of so ugly outside. Yeah, yeah. It's this is kind of like brutalism, right? It's mm-hmm. like blocky, weird 70s stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you come in and you're like, 
Oh, okay. I mean, it's, and we're trying to play with the industrial nature of it. Trying to, That's we're trying smart. to, hype, we're trying to play that up and hype it up a yeah. little bit more. Yeah. Well, it um, looks like, and you're doing a new entrance, right? Well, so it's that, funny that, that it? our east entrance we just finished is like a secondary one. We're about to do a really big main entrance. So that's the the east entrance right there. You just finished that. And yeah. so where does that go first? That, that like will bring you to like Idea Fab Lab and that okay, side that of the side, building yeah. or but, for uh, some of the tents yeah. down below. And is that usable right now or is that It's we're just waiting for a final. Okay. It's, like, it's such a slow process. Gotcha. But it has yeah. a it has an elevator, I imagine? It does. Or? It would bring you to the elevator in the back of the building. Okay. This one we're about to do in the front will have an elevator in it. And where is that going to be? Yeah, like going? right outside the entrance. Uh, so, existing so you're just going to punch entrance. it out, basically? We're going to put a whole tower out there, which will cool. be its own oh. elevator with um, like an atrium, which you'd walk into. Huh. So in the, the whole oh, area that's, really cool. that's sloped that down will be down. leveled off. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. It'll, be like a big, it'll be like a big plaza. Oh, cool. Well, oh, wow. a small plaza. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, plaza. Yeah. You can park your bikes. You can have coffee, hang oh, out. No. And then there'll be entrance elevator come inside. But it'll have definitely some presence. That would be neat. We're now nice. it anti-presence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess it'll lose its uh, secret, you know, Yeah, secret it'll still be subtle. I mean, because, again, this building is so big that you literally, like, I try to take, like, for marketing pictures and stuff, I try to, take, you know, try to stand across the street. I can't get pictures of the no, whole thing. Definitely not. It's just, you only can get segments of it. Yeah. So I had to go up in the hills in the neighborhood and go take a picture. I'm like, oh, there's a shot of it. Yeah, but yeah. You're like, so that's a pretty it, roof. It's, it's, so, it's so random. You're like, it's taking, like, a picture of a battleship or something. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, um, so it's better to break it up in little segments that just what your eye can see at a time. Mm-hmm. It's kind of looking at a car. It's like, you can't look at a car the whole way around unless you walk around it, but you only can get snapshots from certain angles. So yeah. the front three quarter side, yeah. back three quarter. Um, same with this. It's like you know what? Most of this frontage is like eleven hundred feet long. It's like muscles break it up into like frontage. There's a little bit of a back in between, like a little border, and then frontage, border, frontage, and it just kind of works its way right. around. So yeah. Any other future plans for the building that you can um, discuss? Yeah, the entrance will be a big one. Oh, racetrack on the roof. I forgot. Racetrack on the roof. <laughs> the, the irony is when it was much more empty, we had a racetrack inside. Oh, nice. God, I bet. <laughs> With these halls, I mean, as it is right now. We were saying, even right now, it's like go-kart racetrack uh, right there. Or like there was, was little, um, what are those? The little those, drift things. Yeah. 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 We'd have full motorcycles. We had a full motorcycles in here. It was, <laughs> it was Wild West for a while. Yeah. yeah, yeah. At, one point, at one point, because one of the tenants here is um, a race tire provider. Yeah. Some of the best tires in the world with Pirelli and um, like all of a sudden would show up because the, the shop was upstairs. Uh, you'd have the top flat trackers in, in the U S show up and all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> with any, with any racers like, Hey, there's like three bikes right there. Game on. So it's all yeah. of a sudden these guys are drifting in the hallways because there weren't many people here at the time. Sure. So you could get away with this kind of weird stuff. That's so rad. That's it, so cool. Yeah. And then, but you know, as it gets more official, more formalized, it's like, you know, that stuff, changes the yeah. walls. Well, yeah. the building's still really cool and it has all these little hidden secrets. Like one night we went, you know, we were in between shows, we like walked through the bathroom and right next to us, there's a, a full on theater that yeah. we had no full idea was there. They had just and, a little crack door and yeah. so we're like poking our head in and we're like, Whoa, it goes all the way back. Like, and it has and this stadium seating, yeah. right? Like there's, there's lots of hidden stuff. So officially, it's just a workshop. Oh, so, okay. yeah, yeah. But, you know, sometimes it evolves into things. So. Yeah. As a computer uh, historian, uh, I don't know what's going right. on there. He does uh, all this crazy design and stuff. He's like, he's like, he does, um, oh, what is it? He's like a programmer. Right. But then he's, he, has, he has the history of like clearly the been computer. forever, yeah. right? And you have all these eclectic, neat people. Part of my mantra at this point in life was, is that, you know, I've just turned 51, is that um, 
I only want to work with good people. I don't want to work with assholes anymore. And it's like people who are like overly stressed about things unrealistically. It's like they right, don't. We'll, need, they we'll don't, just leave. Right, they, uh, <laughs> like we'll they don't. They bags. don't need to. They don't need to be a part of this. Yeah. And my, so my feeling is like we can be selective. Like, hey, are you good to work with? Are yeah. You, are people going to interact with you? Are they going to be stoked to work with you? You know, with the, the the things that are already guaranteed, like, yes, of course, you have to pay rent and you have to do the business things that are required. But the fact that you're next to an artist and it's next to a business, it's like, all right, you have a left brain thinker and a right brain thinker next to each other. And the collaborations you get sometimes are really neat. And like having the motos in the hallways, I have a lot of art out there. And some of the artists don't get it at first because they're like, well, hey, can we move the bikes so we can put more art up? And I'm like, no, they, is, the they, they are the <laughs> art. art. I'm like, yeah. you have to understand it. And it, they didn't get it to the point. I'm like, no, no, you will leave before they leave. So it's like, this, <laughs> yeah, yeah. this is how the, this is how it works. Yeah. And, but with some of the artists, all of a sudden, then they started doing art about the motorcycles, uh-huh. which I appreciate. Huh. She's like, I really kind of get it. Now. Yeah. They're getting inspired. They're by getting inspired. Stuff, I'm yeah. like, I'm like, don't you understand? Like each one of those bikes has an individual that put their heart and soul and personality into it. Succeed or fail. Yeah, it's a huge 3D. That's it. It's not, this wasn't a collaboration. This was not like group committee right. design. This was one person that, and that's why those people get their name notified to say either it's like they either made this some outrageously amazing vehicle and they get all the accolades or it's like you're, you know, you're bangle and it's like, oh, you just butchered these things and you get shot down or maybe you get glory later. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, was, they, they could start to kind of get that. It's like, oh, this is rolling yeah. art. This is like, I'll like tell you, it. everyone that comes in here, we're it like, they go and look at the bikes. It's like yeah, a big deal, right? It's like, on the tour. and everyone, I'm like, oh yeah, go check it out. You got to see the bikes in the hallway and that's, everything. That's so, awesome. And they're always, they're kind of revolve a little bit, you know, so, which is cool. Right, we, move, we move more. We're like, oh, there's this triumph there that I haven't seen before. Like body in the entrance, that 70s, right? I'm guessing it's 70s. Yep, 78, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. It's yeah, cool. Um, and you have that motorcycle scale back there. We do. We have multiple scales. Which that thing is insane. We just yeah. noticed it the other day. It's like really accurate and smooth. Yeah. And it's the size of like this room. And we have a whole bunch downstairs too. And, so and then you used to have of... a motorcycle, those car things too. Yes. But I don't know. Yeah, like three wheeler and some other stuff. Yeah. Stuff moves around and evolves. So for a long time too, as part of this, we used to house all the warehouse stock for all the motorcycle dealerships in town. So if you're a Ducati or if you're a Honda or whatever, they would come here, which was exciting. So we just did warehousing for that part of it. But of course I geek out and sometimes I'm like, Hey, do you want a bike PDI'd? And I'd break it out and PDI it. But hmm. my goal is that I could bring it over and weigh it because I'd roll it onto the scales downstairs, yeah. calibrate it. And then like, all right, this is what, you know, they claim this, which is total BS. Yeah, yeah. Here's what it really weighs. And I take pictures and show it. You're to all people giddy about yeah, it. Yeah. I, I, I love that cool. stuff. So that's great. Yeah. I like to geek out on the engineering and the. And always motorcycles? Were you into cars early I was on actually into then? cars first. Yeah. Um, I was one of those kids where, like in the 70s, I read every road and track magazine. I lived by the stat sheets in the back, back when they would be like, oh, the zero to 60 For and sure. all the top speed. With and, the graph and everything. Right. And yeah. when I would save up money, I don't know if you remember this, but occasionally they would always do these like um, these placards, these laser cut placards for the for a car. So it's like... My favorite one was like the Porsche 928. It's all laser cut and I'd, you could put it on my wall. Oh, wow. It's like, oh, I've never the, seen that. yeah, uh-huh. it was like, oh, the Maserati Bora. That was you my still other have favorite. It, right. No, I, I don't even know. What? They, they're probably somewhere. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, these things are like, you know, they're like 35 bucks, yeah, or 30 yeah. bucks, whatever they were oh. at the time. But like to me, that was like the holy grail. Like, oh, <laughs> this is, I put the cars on my, on my, um, on my wall. Um, yeah, I was always a motorsport guy, like wheel, yeah. wheeled sport guy. First car? My first car was that I owned was a 1964 Mercury, um, a Mercury 
I remember it. Cougar, right comet? No, it was it was the biggest one. It was the Montclair? Oh, the Montclair, yeah, the Montclair with the ugly with back the, window, with the breezeway window. Yeah, so it, yeah, that rolled down, right? It, it rolled down electronically. That was and, my mom's first car, I think. and it had the um had a FE big block in it, so it had, it had a three ninety. And um, it was awesome. You could fit like four people in the trunk. You could, I fit like eleven people in the car <laughs> oh, one time. Yes. I mean, it was Jeez. it was awesome. That was yeah, a drive-in two, night. Two yeah. big old bench seats, right? Two huge bench seats. No headrest. No seatbelts. Yeah. And uh, first sporty performance car. Um, cause I, yeah, you know, I, I didn't have any money. So my things was, where did you, where did you grow up? Was it here? I born and raised in Santa yeah, Cruz yeah. and then eventually moved to Long Beach for um, college and then came back. So you went to Santa Cruz high. I went to SoCal. I went oh. to SoCal high oh, wow. and then went to Cabrillo for a nice. while. Yeah. Nice <laughs> together. And then, uh, was down in Long Beach. And, but when I was in Long Beach, that was like the epicenter of a lot of motorsports. Celine was there. Someone um, the Long Beach Grand Prix. Prix. Too, right. right. Grand Prix was Once there. Year, yeah. uh, Beck was there with like a spider. Yeah, yeah. mm. All looked Liftmeister with the BMW stuff, all these cool companies were there. And I think because they were surrounded by Lockheed and McDonnell Douglas and all these engineers that were there at the airport. Totally. totally. Which was which was mm-hmm. really neat. So and it's, it's like a shipping center too and huge yeah, industrial area. Hub of yeah. Parts right. And, and they had drag rate they had drag strips down there and really cool stuff. It was it was neat. It was That's interesting. Cool. That was a big lowrider scene too, wasn't it? They have they have a whole car scene, yeah. which is neat. And um so what was my first like like fun car? It was I had, it was like a 76 or 77 rabbit. It was like the world's, oh, like, like, like kind of like I saw, car. I saw your bio. It was like the world's cheapest four speed nodular yeah. motor. I got it for like 300 bucks, took it down to Southern California, <laughs> had Earl Scheib paint it for 99, 99. Well, I paid it, I paid 129. I paid 129 because I wanted silver. I had to have silver. <laughs> nice. I had to take all the rust off it. Um, I'm sure they did a really good job. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I was, I was kind of given a set of GTI wheels from my cousin who had them sitting in her garage. I'm like, I got to get those wheels. These silver wheels. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and then at that time, but then I went, you know, kind of full tilt as much as I could and, you know, lowered it, shock, spring, sway bars. Nice. Yeah. And, and what I'm, year was this roughly? Like uh, this was like ninety, about nineteen ninety, okay. ninety one. Yeah. yeah. And then um, headers, cams, kind of went into it as much as possible. It made you know probably like a hundred horsepower. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But with the four speed gearbox, I was mentioning this. It's like it would ram straight into like ninety five and just just ping against like <laughs> ram, ram, <laughs> ram. But over seventeen, when we go over to like Cactus Club That's and all stuff, you needed, right? It was like, like nothing could touch it because like it could handle it probably yeah. weighed like 1700. Yeah, about yeah. 1700. Yeah. Literally, it didn't even have a carpet kit. It just had the glue and basically was like a trunk liner, which yeah. was their carpet kit. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, then my wife, we, she had a golf that we turned into a pretty hot looking like a, you know, um, the 16 valve GTI replica. Nice. And I got promptly stolen. And then I had a, a type two Scirocco. Down there, which you with kid. like, yeah, with I, I like the VW yeah. and stuff, and then, um, and eventually got like a, um, the E30, um, and what was mine, a 320, technically it was a 328, it was like the ES, 325, so I, I, I 325 ES, yeah, ES, right? Yeah. I couldn't afford the I, yeah, I'm yeah. Like, oh, that's the hot rod with 160 hey, horsepower, I mean, limited slip, and all right, that. and it was it great, and lowered yeah. it, and dealt the stuff, and it was a great handling car, and sounded really good. And you by know, the way, so you're taking and now you're Warren progression. You go from <laughs> the the VW GTI to the BMW E30, basically. basically what I did. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of what started I started working yeah. that way, and then eventually started kind of getting addicted to some of the sobs. So a uh, buddy nice. of mine was a sob dealer or sob me- mechanic <laughs> town, right? It was just right in the zone. <laughs> so the sobs were awesome. So like the first time, so the GTI got my wife's GTI got stolen. 
and we took some of the um, insurance money and got a Saab 9000 and got in the car and it was like turbo. It was turbo. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, Oh my God, I can't believe it's how amazing this car is. Yeah. Like, it was, I think it was like five grand at the time. Like you could hear yourself talk to other people in the car <laughs> oh, while fast, you were driving. It was quiet, <laughs> yeah. heated yeah, yeah. seats. Yeah. And literally, I would, I'd honestly would have dreams sitting in the seat. Like I'd be laying back, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would close my eyes, and I'd be dreaming, literally dreaming, like wake up and like, I thought I was sitting in the sob. <laughs> like it was so incredible. I'm like, we take it like Arizona. And, like, no, you'd be way more comfortable in the sob because oh. sobs and Volvos of that era are the best seats. Well, because, you, you know, know, I slept oh. in the futon, so that the, yeah, oh, yeah, the yeah. sob was <laughs> yeah. definitely way more comfortable. Way more comfortable, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, um, yeah, it was pretty amazing. It was That's cool. It was pretty awesome. And, and then, uh, those you had, every time you turned them on, you'd have to like turn down the fan because they had automatic, they had automatic <laughs> yeah, climate exactly. control and like, you couldn't turn it off. Yeah, you're like, is that true? Yeah. yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> Never turn it off? Nope. Oh, yeah. God. It would be, it was, it was always automatic. Always so automatic. you would have to just, you know, when you turn the car on, you just da, 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 yeah. press the button. So, so you're so ingrained. Yep. And then uh, motorcycles started seeping in or were you Motor- already- Motorcycles, um, so, so my parents did not like motorcycles. So, of course, I love motorcycles. I love That's motorcycles. So, every, right? Like, you, you probably don't want your son to go. Right. So, actually, I kind of wish he'd kind of like it. Really? Yeah. He's ambivalent about him. Yeah. So, um, so I got my first bike. It was a 73 a BMW R75 slash 5. Nice. Way too big what a bike for me. I had a 76 R60 slash 6. Oh, okay. So, just yeah. really similar. I had, the yeah. to- I had the toaster tank. Got it for yeah, 950 bucks. I had the bucks regular, on, like, rubber side the, one. The bigger one. Yeah, yeah. yeah the touring tank. Which I, I kind of like that design, too. No, it looks better. Yeah. It's The toaster tank was kind of the Americana. But I yeah. bought it off Chanticleer for, like, 950 bucks. And I it was I was in high school. And um, I rode... Well, part of it, too, is then, uh, during the time, liked the bikes. But I rode with a whole group of guys who were all into vintage bikes. So there was, a, there was a group of eventually probably about, eventually about almost like 20 of us. And actually we made it in Cycle World Magazine kind of at the end of our heyday. Oh. And because um, there was this whole look that, you know, there was a bunch of guys in scooters who were also kind of our friends. But those are the guys we chased around uh-huh. back in the day. So we're on these cafe racer, mostly British or European bikes. And they were these old clapped out things because none of us had money. You had to work on them yourself. You're reading manuals. You're trying to understand what they're all about. They break on you on the side of the road. So you had to fix it or walk home. Um, but they were super, they were pretty cheap, right? Just old bikes at that super point. Super cheap. Yeah. Like we'd find like an old BSA in someone's backyard, like that had been choppered out for seventy five bucks. Yeah. Then you'd have to go. Oh, I have to take the big forks off it and Dude, put a regular right. forks on it and figure out how to convert it. And you go to the swap meets and then you're talking with guys are probably younger than me now, but the old guys like oh they tell old guys would tell you this is how it was back in the day and this is what you need to do. And then you go to Rabers and get your parts and mm-hmm. you know usually your first thing is like set a cafe bar for like mm-hmm. thirteen bucks and clip ons or something. Yeah. We could even afford the clip ons. Oh was, really? Yeah. Clip ons were like you have to then convert a whole front fork. Yeah. Cafe bar bars were cheating. It was just like all right, yeah. just have the the bars. Gotcha, and yeah. It's yeah. low rider and um. Yeah. So that was early on too. I mean, you were already on motorcycles. You know. Yeah, I was like senior in high school. Yeah. And, yeah, and so, yeah. How, how many bikes were you? You started with a BMW, but didn't, you got into Triumphs and everything, right? Oh, I did. So I, I got that bike and, you know, wasn't smart enough or savvy enough. I rode the bike and it was like, this is, this bike was too big, almost fell on me. I'm like, is, they're so heavy. Oh, they're I'm like, giant super, super top heavy. I'm like, this is not for me. That's shaft driven and, and, too, right? And so how green, yeah, I, yeah. green I was next day, I take it back to the guy and says, yeah, I don't want the bike. <laughs> he's like, uh, now you're Brian. He's like, what do you, he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, yeah, this bike is just like, but he was kind enough to, he actually took it back. Really? Took my money back. And yeah, I didn't hurt it. Nothing was wrong huh, yeah, with it. Yeah. But 
I was just That's like, funny. and then I started getting a whole series of clapped out British bikes, which probably was safer for me because that bike actually ran. The other ones kind of ran and kind of didn't run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did more mechanics than riding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That's good. Right. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, and then just evolve over time. Then you start getting a taste for them and you start liking different bikes and better bikes. And my thing were British bikes and eventually went towards Italian bikes and, um, and then started getting more savvy about it. Then when I moved down to Southern California for school, I literally the whole time I was there, I worked at a Moto Guzzi shop that all we did is restore the old Guzzi's. And my thing was performance. So I like to take the heads. And I wanted to do porting and I wanted to do flowing and I wanted to do cams. And I wanted to do upgrades. But my, pr- my primary job was all electrical. <laughs> it was like, mm-hmm. no, no, you build the wiring looms, you build the wiring harnesses, and you build all these things that people wanted on their yeah. cruisers because Southern California was about cruisers. Northern California was about sport bikes. Uh-huh. Twisty roads. Yeah. Right? So it's like I'm riding around on my cafe racer, and people are like, who are you? Yeah. It's like you're just going in square blocks. Right? Yeah, right, you know, you know right. it's just hot, and you're going to overheat. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's no corners. Yeah. <laughs> so Have fun on the 405. Yeah. But it's funny. Cool. Do you still work on your bikes at all? or you kinda... I do whenever I can. Yeah. Whenever I can. Um, um, now, now the flip side is back then had all the time in the world and no money. Yeah. Now it's like I, I, I do a little bit better now, but yeah. I have no time. <laughs> yeah. So with career and kids and all the stuff. So now I want bikes at work. Be cool to have like yeah. a, a spot here with like all glass, like, oh, like a little workshop room, or like something like a little, like, yeah, a little shop basically. Well, I won't say there's not one here, but uh, okay. <laughs> you might have never seen it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, but we thought about that and was as this was growing, one of the thoughts was actually to take one of the spaces and make it almost like a gentleman's club yeah. where yeah. people could buy into. I'm in. Right? Yeah, just I'm come in. in and be like, hey, you could have access to a lift and tools and have a club kind of like this where yeah. people could hang out yeah. and do the thing and, you know, maybe be out of the garage. Uh-huh. It is a but, thing. But I mean, then it just kind of evolved where it got too big too fast right. where yeah. it wasn't practical. How many? Uh, here's the uh, elephant in the room. What's the what's the number of motorcycles? <laughs> up so, I was about to I I was trying. So so I keep a running list. I think I'm. I I need to double check it because there was a gap where I was kind of updating. I'm going by memory, but I, I think I've hit like 102. Oh, oh, this is bikes you've owned during your life. Okay, okay. Right. One I think Warren's is, asking. No, but that's a that's yeah. a very that's insane. So, so I keep a list of yeah. every bike and every car I've ever owned. Yeah. So how many bikes do you have now, though? That my wife has that all the time. Um, <laughs> the, the, the official answer is I don't know. Yeah. The gentleman but, never asked. Right. But the exactly. wonderful thing about bikes is it's four, it's fluid. four it's or fluid. six per car. It's, yeah. like, it's, it's fluid. So yeah. it's kind of like Matt Farah talks about with watches. He's like, you know, I'm into watches because you don't they don't take up a lot of room. One, and stuff. And one you're like, drawer in your yeah, one drawer, and then you're like, oh, I'm into but, bikes, so like I can have ten bikes, and that equals like a one and a half cars. Yeah. Like, right. Okay, so what roughly? So, so so now, honestly, I don't know. Um, I've gone through flux. I don't know, probably eight or ten. Oh, that's not, oh, that's well, okay. Not including no. collection. You have right, eight or ten. Right. You have well. So with the collection out here is that a half about half of those are mine, like the ones in the hallways, and those oh, okay. are mine. Okay. And then two are my two other buddies. Oh, okay. So we so because I wanted because they're rather than have them sit in the garage, I'm yeah. like, hey, let's yeah. bring them out and yeah. let's yeah. showcase them. Gotcha. Let's, let's put them together. Plus, th- there's a method to the madness of how they're arranged. It goes in chronological order and I have a purpose and they got switched out recently. So some of it's changed, but, um, there was a purpose there of kind of exactly how it was laid out. And I liked it because you go to the Gucci factory and it was this weird thing where you had to show up at the front gate at three o'clock. If you weren't there, you didn't get in and they shut the door immediately afterwards. And pretty much it was you and maybe two other people were walking through their factory museum. And at the time, no one else had factory museums. It was just, it was kind of like they just put their old bikes out in this hallway. Yeah. But you're like, oh, but but 
there's the Gucci V8, which uh-huh. is like, there's like, I don't know, two in the world. Wow. And you're like, these are like these ultimate gems and no one's even watching you. They're, you're just, yeah. you're just kind of in this old archaic world war two building. Yeah. Is that kind of a like Holy grail for you? Yeah. Ownership wise. Oh, to, that to own a V8. Oh, that would be incredible. Yeah. It's, what are they worth? Do you have any idea? They don't change hands. Priceless, kind of? Priceless, yeah, yeah. There's only a couple, and one of them's in the factory, well, but then there's, like, no value on that second one. It's and the too- funny thing about bikes, are bikes just, they, they don't value like cars. It's like, right. more people are into cars. So, to me, it's vastly more valuable than a limited edition, any kind of car you could possibly pick. Right. You know, if you're like, oh, Maserati Birdcage or something like that, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty cool, but I'm like, there's probably a hundred of those. I'm like, there's two of those. Which is better? I'm like, I don't know. So, um... But it's like, like where I live, my neighbor has four going Mercedes, four of them. And he bought them back when they're cheap. It's like, yeah, my friends were making fun of me when they were 20 grand. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, yeah, they're not laughing now. Yeah. But he's got this kind of cool eclectic collection. But I'm like, this is super cool. But to me, I'm like, they're still not as cool as the bikes. <laughs> I'm like, it's cool. But, 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 you know, they have no right because they have value. Right. Yeah. If it was like original Shelby Cobra or something like that, I'm like, for sure. It's super cool. But I've seen lots of them. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like when one of these things roll up, I'm like, you'll never see one of these things. Like that one, the MGSO one that's sitting in the, out there, that uh-huh. sport one. I don't know. There's probably like 12 made total in the world. Really? Crazy. So you look at this thing, you're like, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's worth a decent amount of money, but mediocre compared to a car. Yeah. And engineering right. wise, they're so interesting because it's so raw. Like a yeah. car, you have to make all these there's affordances. No bullshit. There's, there's very little yeah, bullshit. There's, it's just... Rider, motor, and then beautiful little trim pieces. Yeah, and it's, and it's visceral because I, I ride on the track. I, I ride too. all the time. So I ride dirt. I ride on the track all oh, the cool. time. Um, yeah, you have a Panigale, right? Right. So I have a Panigale V4. So kind of more modern stuff I ride just because it's safety factor, the thrill. They're just faster. Um, and um, it's it's just interactive. You, you you know, you do a full track day and you're like, your, your body is sore. The next day, your legs are, your legs like you've done like squats all day. I bet. And your forearms hurt and everything is sore. And, and same thing, I've been kart racing and you get pretty sore too, but it's not the same. Like you're not dancing on every corner. Whereas I have a few buddies are really into track cars, which I really like, but it's like, I feel like it's more, you know, you're holding your muscles in, but it's, it's more yeah. of this kind of movement. So it's, it's a little yeah. different. Especially like, modern stuff. Especially you, know, you have the seat holding you right. in it's, it's and locking everything. you in. You have your yeah. head restraints and stuff. Yeah. And part of it is like the reality is if you're on a 400 pound bike and you're say a 200 pound suited up person, when you shuff your weight even a little bit, you require that to move the whole vehicle. I mean, that's required. It's like you yeah. have to move yourself to yeah. move the vehicle or it won't transition. Yeah, you know, because you're counter steering and stuff. It's super, it's super interactive. So I like that. What kind of rallies are you guys doing? You, I met, you mentioned rallies and going on drives or rides with, with people. Are you doing like organized, uh, tours? I, I've not done any in a while. The only ones I've done recently are the gentlemen's club. I used to, I used oh, to actually cool. hold, which, which is why I, I have such a soft spot for what you guys are doing mm-hmm. is that I used to hold, uh, Gucci days and events for that, or then go to like national Gucci rallies or Ducati rallies or some other ones that would occasionally come up. Um, gentlemen's days where you kind of like you're, dress you up. dress vintage and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But kind of upscale, like it's, it's a British thing. Yeah. So it's almost like in tweed, like not really writing sure. outfits. It's like a tweed jacket and a, and a tweed cap and, yeah. but they have like pipes and people just get like, it's a Goodwood revival. Right. It's like it's super hipstered out yeah. and yeah. it's cool. I'm like, this is super cool. Yeah. And it's for a good cause. It raises a lot of money and it, it, it's, it's a good excuse to like crank out the old equipment. Uh huh. 
Because honestly, sometimes I don't want to ride the old stuff. Like they're like, yeah, do you ride this? I'm like, not much anymore yeah, yeah. because it shifts on the opposite side and it shifts in the wrong direction. The brakes suck. You know, yeah. it's like it's kind, heavy. Of, kind of dangerous. Actually, yeah. they're light. They feel they feel flimsy. Oh, really? Compared yeah. to the new stuff. Flimsy. Yeah, they're oh, small. Kind of great, kind of great attribute. Yeah, they're small. You know, it's like you, you, the, the bikes, the motorcycles, like a, a big performance bike in the 60s. Feels like about a 250 today as far as size wise. Yeah. It's even though humans are kind of the same, but they're just, <laughs> right. they're little or you get on, you, if you go sit on one, you'll be like, well, they feel really little. Where a modern bike almost feels too big nowadays. It sounds familiar with cars. I mean, right. They're just similar. Right. I mean, I love like, oh, so I used to have, uh, 240Zs and 280Zs. Uh huh. My favorite one was, um, at the last year of the original body 280 with the Bosch, the 2.8 liter inline with the Bosch injection. And then lowered it to suspension. Um, that's when I, I, I was at the, um, the Gucci shop and the guy who owned it was like the most amazing body guy in the world because he came from the Midwest. And so where those had all those like bumper strips and stuff all over the place, we took them all off and he, he filled it, yeah. them all in and smoothed them all down. And then we put 240, um, blade bumpers on the front and rear. Uh-huh, uh, nice. So it's like, I feel like I had the right motor, the right yeah. look, all the right stuff. It's still, you roll in the windows and you got gassed out. Oh, yeah. But, um, oh, I'd love to see a photo of that. It was, it yeah, was, cause I, that was the same body as a 240. Right. right. But it, just had, it just had those big so, bumpers. Right. So it, all that came off and a yeah. lot of weight came off it. And then, you know, decatted it. It had like Monza exhaust on the back straight through. Yeah. Um, I had like American racing wheels on it. And, um, what is it? I did a British racing green. Nice. It was, I thought it was awesome. That's cool. It was, that so, it's like a little cool. XKE. Yeah, right. And that was, that's that was, that's what yeah. it was for me. It was kind of like the poor man's version of that. Yeah. It sounded yeah. gorgeous. It was a hand me down from my stepmother, which was the most generous gift ever. Yeah. That I could, you know, have that. And it was the first car when I started doing real estate. It was the funniest thing because I started doing residential first. So I'm like, oh, hey, we're going to go tour. <laughs> oh, we're going to go tour a house. Here's your the helmet. The worst car. <laughs> right? The and, worst. And like, they were like so tinny and loud. Like, oh, oh my God. God. You can only take one person. You can only like, take you one person. You can't house shop with yeah. uh, with your significant other. It's <laughs> So it was comical. So I'd take on a tour sometimes. And at the time, I was working in the city. So my wife was finishing school in San Francisco. <laughs> I was working up on Twin Peaks. We lived in San Mateo which she's mad about because I'm like, I wouldn't live in the city because I couldn't get a garage. Because <laughs> I'm like, wow. I have to have a garage and a shop for my bikes. Yeah. And I could, you, even back then, you couldn't get a garage in San Francisco. Yeah. So, And that uh, was before San Mateo was like kind of cool, right? Right. It I was, mean, it was yeah. cool, but it was yeah. low key. And um, the funniest thing was a lot of my clients up there were gay. It just happened to be the district it was in. Yeah. And so in some of these districts went from like super hardcore blue collar to like kind of gentrifying, kind of becoming artsy. And so you'd see me driving like, you know, at the time I was probably like 24. And, you know, back then I probably looked like I was 16. It's yeah. like, yeah, let me sell you a house. Come tour with me. We're going to go look at properties. And, yeah. but your partner has to sit on your lap. Yeah. Literally. So we're driving from property to property in this 240Z. This kid shows up in his race car. Right. Bring us to him. Pull up, like, squeeze in. Come so on. This ridiculous. But they liked it. They're like, this, right. is, this is really fun. Yeah, yeah. Unexpected. So I sold like, quite a few homes that way. That's funny. That is so rad. Everyone else is rolling up in like Mercedes S classes, right. like bringing their clients around. Right. And stuff. You know, it's like the, yeah, generic or you know, real yeah, estate yeah. car. Yeah. So, um, yeah, some champagne color Mercedes. Exactly. But um yeah. <laughs> That's classic. <laughs> um I think it's time for trivia. What do you think? All right. <laughs> bring it bring it on. Uh, I'm scared because it's probably gonna be bikes, huh? Yeah. It is one bike. Um yeah, it is one bike. It's Question. called a Triton. It's a mix between 
Uh, there it's you Buell, go, actually. Um, okay. I'm like, yeah. I know the Triton really well. <laughs> yeah. Lane just spat all his bike knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> R90S. Uh, the... no. Yeah, we're going to go Vincent. Paint job. We're going way back to Vincent days. Oh, Vincent days. Um, Black Shadow, it's called. <clears throat> okay. So. Those are worth the, a, a lot. Huh? Yeah, they've they've gone crazy in price. Wait, yeah. is the Black Shadow the one? That's the, a couple at Quail, yeah. right? And they're like, weren't they like illegal? Like it was like so fast, it's illegal kind of thing, right? It was, it was like too crazy to sell to the general public kind of thing. Well, well kind of the idea behind it is they had the Vincents of various models. He had a Black Prince, he had other ones, but the but the Black Shadow was like the sleeper. It was like you know the the Shelby GT five hundred of its build. Of, yeah. If it compared to like a Mustang, so it was like all gloss black cases and a hot rodded motor inside. And what brought it to fame is you would see that shot where that one guy is like in his bathing suit laying on it doing, yep. doing the salt yeah. flats. Yeah. That guy went around the whole U.S. just basically challenging people to race. Oh, whatever no the, way. whatever the race would be. That's because a story. he was literally on the fastest bike that was built. Wow. So when everyone else was barely doing a hundred, his bike could do 150. <laughs> and it, so it's like, you know, he had a thousand cc where everyone's like on a 500 or 650 yeah. and it was the Vincents were fast bikes. Huh. And they're actually really cool because if you look at some of them, they have a sprocket on one side. You can take the wheel off, and there's a sprocket on the other side, and you flip it. So you have your high gear, your low gear. So like, oh, oh are you going for high speed, or are you going uh, for a draft? Dude, how cool is that? That was it's like a quick change rear end. Uh, that's exactly it. It was super cool in his day to think it's like, that's pretty wild. Wow. That is a rad. That's story. cool. I'd like to hear more about that. Hey, uh, talking bikes quickly. Uh, so the uh, this guy, Alan, I worked with uh, down at a fabrication shop, shop down by Harvey West. He has... An old bike that he had, I think almost from new, but it was like the Kawasaki KZ 1000 or something. Yeah. Like it was like pre ninja. It was like the, one of the first major sport bikes. So he had that that would, that was basically known as a widow maker, I think. And he's got the Rickman frame for it too. Ooh, yeah. And so he still has it and he, it's just in pieces. But do you remember when that bike came out? Cause when he was telling me the story, it was kind of like, that was like the Japanese sport bikes, like basically hiring everybody. Style. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, so the era was, you know, the British were doing their thing and then they kind of, they kind of collapsed on their own, to be honest. You know, they're just archaic. And then the Japanese were making really great engineering vehicles. But the thing they really didn't have down was the framework. The frame handling mm. was horrible. That's why you'd always be like, if it was like H1 or H2, you'd have these like 500cc and 750cc um, triple two strokes. Super like crazy fast, but horrible handling. They're like oh. they joke they had like bamboo frames. Talk about like widowmakers, and the where the British kind of figured it out is that like Harris and a few others would um, make custom frames for those better motors. Mm. So they actually make them better bodywork, make them handle. You know, a lot of racing comes out of England, and um, and it's probably in the, all the same circuits where Formula One cars and all those guys are. And um, they put these things together. So you get like a Rickman or something like that, and you're like these are really cool one off custom kits you could buy so you could get the whole chassis as one mm -hmm. and you drop in the motor of your choice it was kind of like bomoda bomoda was one where out of, out of it was a factory built but they would they would recognize they just go to take the best motors from the different companies and it was like oh it's a db1 so it's a or um bomodas are crazy right They're so it's like cool. the bomoda was the name but the d was like a ducati or if it's an suzuki or if it's a kb1 uh. it's kawasaki and that's the motor that was in it then they would Built everything around. Huh. I had a customer that had like twenty Bomodas. Oh my god! And like, like among tons of other stuff, but he had them all displayed at his place. It's so like, funky. It's just yeah. it's so, so cool. crazy. All right. 
That's our trivia song. And now you know. It's trivia time. Um, my favorite motorcycle of all time, for no other reason than the way they sound and the way they look, I've never ridden one, is a Ducati 748 SP. I'm sure you know all about I them. I do. Um, my question is, they, they made an R model, um, and that was a 45 cubic inch motor, a 748cc, horsepower at 11,000 RPM. And we'll start with Lane. You can go last. I definitely don't want to start with William. Nope. Yeah. Is it cr- um, crank or rear wheel? 748. Uh, I don't know. It's this probably going to be this crank, on, right? This is on uh, which w- is like, Wikipedia. It's probably going to be advertised horsepower, which would be crank. crank usually, yeah. Uh, that was like around 2000 ish, right? 2000. 97 to 2000. Two ninety four right. to two thousand nine 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 came out in two thousand one or something. Two thousand yeah, such good looking. Um, I love them. All right, so I'm gonna say that's a small one. Uh, hundred horsepower. I was Brian. gonna say ninety eight. Okay. Those are good guesses. Yeah, those are good guesses. I was gonna say I think ninety eight is for a base seven forty eight. I want to say one hundred and five. <laughs> 106. Oh, <laughs> very good. You didn't I'm, go I'm, over. So you I'm glad you won. I'm too, glad you weren't like, oh, it's like you 11,000 were... <laughs> RPM. 11, that's crazy. 106 horsepower at 11,000 RPM. That's just so rad. Such yeah. a rad bike. And um, scary. Extremely scary. Well, William <laughs> was just telling me about a new Triumph that has a 2.5 liter engine in it. Jesus. Really? Yeah. So, so, so Triumph built some like a 2.3, but they just unveiled a brand new rocket three, which is an inline triple two. It's like, it's like 2453, but yeah. basically 2.5 liters. It's so crazy. And, it, and they dropped like 90 pounds off it. It's, it's super cool. 90 pounds on a bike. Gee. Yeah. It was, it's so I had a, uh, I had a BMW K 75 and I was an awesome machine. It's an awesome machine. I think they're pretty ugly and I was turned off by that. I basically got it for free. Um, they call it the flying bricks. Yeah, the flying bricks. <laughs> but the motor was so rad. It was a little tiny three-cylinder 750 uh, that was basically a three-cylinder version of the E30 motor. Uh, yeah. But it had, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm being, you know, it had, I think it was twin cam and individual throttle bodies. Uh, like they just cut off. There was like, it was, I mean, I think now that I'm saying that out loud, almost like a Porsche Polo motor where they cut the yeah. final two cylinders. But off. it looked very much like a, yeah, a even car the, motor it, flip it, side. The head yeah. looked like a car head, right? The, yeah. the head, yeah. the valve cover, valve cover gasket yeah. and everything. But, but yeah. the cylinders were transverse. So the cylinders yeah. went sideways front to rear. Like, mm-hmm. like that's this, right. This is front tires, rear tire. They went right. this that's way. That's right. Right. It was so, yeah. So you see Why? the same valve cover that you would see when you open a BMW hood, just sitting <laughs> sideways. Yeah. Those are awesome. Yeah, and it, it's, crazy. and that, I don't know, I don't remember what it revved to, but it sounded, it had some special, somebody put an aftermarket exhaust when it was brand new. I had like the records and it sounded so good when you get up into the rev range. Mm. But I mean, a lot of these bikes do. Yeah. yeah so that, the, the, the triple sound go. especially great. It's a the different tri- sound. Tri- triple sound. Yeah. Great. And, um, the funny thing with that one was, you know, since the cylinders were this way, the the uh, valves and the head were on the left, which is the same side as your kickstand. Mm-hmm. So you put it on the kickstand, and where does all the oil want to go? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> smoke at the beginning. They fire most of the time, they'd smoke and stuff, yeah. and you should put it, probably should put it in a center stand. Yeah. Um, the exhaust is probably like a Luftmeister. 
That was the company that I was think you're right out of and out Long Beach. A rad header and everything. Yeah, Luffmeister. I think you're right. So the guy who was that was Matt Capri, and now he does Triumph stuff. But he had one guy, this crazy German guy who worked for him, and they, he had the record for like the fastest production motorcycle. So it was uh, it was a K100 uh-huh. with the turbo. Oh wow! Oh, and it was, was that so what Wee Herman rode and and. Uh... He was big adventure or something. I don't. I don't remember hmm. that. But remember was, in his like dream where he was like a, he was shooting like, across the sky. Where, no, where he was like a secret agent or whatever. Uh, <laughs> I feel All like right. it was that. Um, Wrigley. Let's talk about gum first. Oh, oh, right. oh okay. Trivia. You got we'll, it. We'll level I'd the playing field. I right? love Wrigley gum, by the way. <laughs> I do too. Um, <laughs> revenue for Wrigley gum, and don't ask me why. This is from 2007 on Wikipedia. They don't have a more recent. Number, I don't know why, so it's a long time ago, but in 2007, overall revenue for Wrigley Gum. I'm gonna be so bad at this. Oh man. Lane goes first. Oh man. Wow. Okay. Gum, we're talking about. I know. Um, such a big scale. It's hard to. Is it? Who chews gum anymore? Right. Remember, it's illegal in Singapore. <laughs> that's oh, true. Man. That's a whole country that's <laughs> you, no you could get so. caned. <laughs> What if you uh, swallow? I know you're not supposed I, to spit it. But <laughs> you swallow. You can't poop Dude, it. Dude, I have, you have no. Have it on like, your ID card. Are you? Do you? Are you a swallower? <laughs> or are you? Right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> um, dude, that's like. It's a whole different podcast. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm out of here for this. <laughs> Wait, isn't gum like twenty five cents or something? Yeah, like that? yeah. I don't think they make money on that. Um, I don't know. It's like McDonald's ninety nine cent burger. It says the price on the gum, dude. Yeah, right. It's good advertising. How could it be that much money? But let's say a billion dollars. A billion dollars. He has his pinky in the air, folks. Yes. I, don't, I mean, that could be totally real. I really should have Brian go first. I'm pissed at myself right now. He is the most amazing guesser. I'm terrible. Sometimes he I'm hits terrible. it. Sometimes right he on. hits it, but you're like, whoa. Right. Would, yeah, yeah. It's checkers or wreckers with me. That's right. God, I don't know. Seriously, I have no way. Hundred dollars, dude. You You're more into the modern. You know their recent stats, right? 2007. Anything like, past 2015. It's who like, remembers 2007 like, gum stats? Well, that was, that was pre bust, so everyone was chewing gum. Gum weekly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> chewing gum. I don't know. I'm going to say. This is a tough one. I'm going to say 600 million. Okay. We have a billion. We have a little less. 600 million. It's down to William. Oh, God. But you know, it's like test tasting. Test taste. Taste, taste testing. Test, yeah. <laughs> like uh, test taking. Yes. You know, the first oh, thing oh. that pops in your head is what you should use. Yeah. So I don't know why, but in my head, maybe because I was just talking about the displacement, I want to say like two point three billion. Oh, but that sounds like a lot for gum. I know, right? But Wrigley's has it's like huge, a, though, right? They have the lock on. Do they own? They must own other brands too. Oh like, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, when you go in there and you see the gums, like almost is Dentine all, theirs and all. Or? Actually, Dentine doesn't think is not theirs, oh, okay. but almost all the other ones are. Yeah, like all the new fancy ones that you pop out of the little right. thing. They're all in such cool we, packaging. We man. buy a lot of. It's weird. We buy a lot of gum, and I feel very. I'm a I'm a loyalist, so I feel very loyal to buy Wrigley gum. Yeah. I feel like, dude, yeah, you good, have to. Good, good, there's good vibes. Yeah. About it. Yeah. So I don't. It's expensive though, but we buy like multi packs. But it's like it's like a, you know a buck fifty a little pack. Yeah. Oh, before you answer this, how do is it? The, I know you call this the old Wrigley Building. Is that yes. like? Is there any? Te- I mean, have so, uh, so I guess it's, it's not official. It doesn't okay. say it anywhere. Right. Or, so it's it's funny, and it actually will be because we're about to brand it. Yeah. But. You know, I don't know. It's one of those things where like Wrigley's a really big company. Yeah, exactly. We want to call the Wrigley building Mars now too. (laughs) Oh, which is even way bigger. Yeah, but Mars bars. But that's why we decided to call it the old Wrigley building because we're thinking, all right, it 
it's kind of an homage to the old one. And there is a real Wrigley building, which is yeah. in Chrysler, yeah. which is like, looks like, you it's know, in like, this picture. It looks like it's, the Chrysler building. Yeah. Rad. And it's indisputable. It was the Wrigley building. Right. It's, right. it's a piece of history. Yeah. Right. I mean, so I don't know if they could sue you, but I, I mean, mean, it is cool that you're, yeah, I think it's cool that you're keeping the name. Right. You should have yeah. a little pop up stand of gum and you should sell their merch. Well, we used to use a lot of gum in our stuff. Like it was our, a bit of our logoing. Yeah. It was kind of cool. But it's, it, Kind of it was like we're thinking about all these different options. And it's kind of like you guys know the Dream Inn, right? Yeah. yeah. Remember for a while there. It was oh, like they changed the it. West Sanders. Coast. Something, that was so like, bad. This whole mouthful of words like, yeah. what is Cause this? Because a bigger company like bought them. Right. And then in the, the end, they're like, you know what? We're going to go out and we're going to go to the public and yeah. ask everyone their opinion. What should it be? <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> like the Dream Inn. Right. It's, like, it's like, what should the Dream Inn be? Yeah. It's like, Gee, I don't know the Dream Inn. Yeah. It's like it was like it's a rad name. That's like Sears. Point people. is trying to be like Sonoma Raceway. You're like, no, right, dude. Right, exactly. It's Sears. It's like you yeah, know what these things yeah. are. It's like, don't call it something so, else. Yeah. I like that you're trying to skirt the issue here. Uh, back to the, yes. <laughs> the mouth. So, oh, oh, yeah. Well, so he said two point three. I'm gonna stick it to two point three. I'm gonna just two point three. It surprises you to know that you're you're halfway there. Whoa! Five point three eight nine billion dollars. <laughs> wow! In two thousand seven. Gum. Isn't that incredible? Chewing gum. How much waste? How much waste is that? Uh, they started in 1853 or 1893. I'm sorry. How many 1893? satisfied customers? Oh, that's true. Very yeah. consistent, right? How often do you get a bad piece of gum? Right. Like, oh, that's no, they're it's turned. Well, they, they would chuck so much gum. That's why they. So oh, I, sure. I, had, I had friends who worked here, like par- friends' parents. Yeah, who my friends' here. parents worked here. They come yeah, with too. cases. They're like, oh, it expired, so and it was perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Brand new. You're like, like dude, I gum. I get Tom's baseball cards, right? Like that. It's the same. Right. You're like it's way chewier. All right, first. Flavor, Wrigley gum. Spear, uh, first flavor, 1893. And there was two flavors introduced in 1893. I'm going to say double mint. Okay. Spearmint. It's got to have some some illicit drugs in it or something. I know, That's right? Right? Oh, oh yeah, cocaine, cocaine mint. mint. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it probably is like the opium mint. <laughs> That's my guess. Opium, opium mint. mint. Uh, spearmint is correct, and. Juicy fruit. Whoa. I thought that'd be a later one. I thought that would be way later. Juicy, that name was Double Mint came out in 1914. That was their third flavor. Yeah. And then uh, any guesses on Big Red, which seems like such a classic. Oh, it right? seems so classic. I'm going to say 50s. That's what I would have said. Oh, so it's like the 80s? 70s. 75. Really? Wow. Wow. They, they, they didn't know what cinnamon was until <laughs> then? <laughs> like, oh, what's this new cinnamon flavor? Um... And I guess it was discontinued in England, and they it's too people, strong. People it's come too here, and, too spicy. People come here and buy it as uh-huh. like a nostalgia. Oh wow, uh, thing. Ooh, I love oh, like that. to to this day they don't yeah. sell it over there. Yeah, they like discontinued it. I love the cinnamon one. I know. Yeah, yeah. And I then, uh, one of my the favorites. classic for at least when we were growing up as kids was Hubba Bubba. Oh yeah. And there was Bubblicious, which is different, but Hubba Bubba. Uh, that like, that stuff that is bad gum. That it, it, goes away within oh, seconds. It's, it's oh, the flavor, yeah. which is the yeah. best type of gum. Right? I know, right? It's like yeah. you want to keep make you buy lots yep. of it. Fruit stripe. You take one bite. It's like oh, oh with the zebra know. on it, right? Uh, but Hubba Bubba, nineteen seventy nine. So, and then I think they finished in eighty eight. So, two little stories here is that you know, being a Wrigley Gum Factory is like when we're doing construction, we found packs of Hubba Bubba here, huh? Oh. And we. <laughs> We found wads of it because it just shows up in spots, and we found pa- we found packs of it. And my contractor brought it to the office. We're like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna encase this, and we're gonna showcase it because it'll be cool yeah. for people to see." And then you turned around, and he's already chewing. It. <laughs> yeah, no, but then and then over over the course of like a week, like a piece was missing like every day. Yeah, yeah. We're like we're like. 
you know, this was <laughs> it was probably like you're fired. You're it, fired. It was probably like 2012 or 13. And I'm thinking I looked it up. I'm like, you discontinued 88. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and no one's died. That just but shows it, and you. it was still chewy. It was still good, soft. Good product. That's good awesome, product. dude. And then part two is we have a place down below, which was called the Flavor Vault. And it was built like a bunker. What? They're super strong with big curbs and drains. And they'd have these big cylinders for um, holding the glucose, but next to the flavor vaults. And they'd have these big uh, windows that had giant metal shutters so that if they ignited, it would blow the energy out the side of the building Holy instead crap. of blowing the roof off. Wow. Flavor vault. Wow. And, and so we put the federal government in one of those spots. But you, it was office just like this, and they they go in the office and their eyes would start watering because it just smelled so much like cinnamon. Uh, oh, it was so strong! So we had to epoxy seal the floor to lock in the flavor. Oh, oh, that's so awesome! <laughs> and another one smelled like mint. Whoa, and I was kind of like, I'm like, that's kind of a cool well, feature. I'm like, really? Dude, that is so cool. You, you should vent that into that. the building somehow. You could have just done tin foil like they do on the gum. You know, that's oh uh, yeah, that, that, that works. Too. Actually, some walls we took down below in Santa Cruz bikes. All the insulation had like a tin foil, and we joke we're like, it looks just like the wrapper of yeah, yeah. gum. That's where they got it. And you can smell the inside. You can smell it. It has, it has a minty smell to it. Wow. Because all that smell gets trapped inside. Sure. And I'm, I'm finally getting the connection with E40, the wrapper, doing a thing here. <laughs> wrapping uh, gum, right? gotcha, finally man. getting it. Got it. Yeah, got yeah. It. I do love the, I love the bathroom that you guys did the wallpaper yeah. in the, that was, awesome. that's really that, was, that was one of my wife's diagrams. brilliant ideas. That's awesome. Like, we have all these amazing, like, true blueprints. Yeah. It was so kind of cool. like, you know, working with the designer and she's awesome too. But it was kind of like one pattern. My wife's like, why don't we use the blueprints? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, that's un- so rad. That's amazing. So I found this YouTube video. It's a color video of Santa Cruz in the 50s. Yes. And Wrigley Building's in it. I've seen that. It's not super glamorous for the building. No, it's... Here's a Wrigley Building. It's a great one. It's super cool. And they go through downtown and all that stuff. It is cool. I mean, it's a lot of history, you know, and it's like it. the fact that Wrigley Gum was made in Santa Cruz and, you know, and it would... I think it said Santa Cruz on the gum, right? Back then? Yeah. It's pretty special. Yeah. It's rad. So trying to keep this moto vibe live here, right? Keep all this stuff going and we'll do our part. Uh, Yeah. You just let us know. And uh, we'll see more motorcycles at uh, Morning Motors. I know. We got we to put the call out. Just be like, hey, the, yeah. we just need some really cool For sure. bikes. That's right. Yeah, I had a guy approach me at the uh, Morning Motors the other day, and he's like doing some motorcycle show at the Capitol Mall. Oh, oh yeah. That's yeah, a really yeah. cool and, show. The uh, bike his name's show. Gary, and he's like, yeah, so I was wondering if you guys could like let people know. And I'm like, yeah, totally. And I'm like, by the way, William <laughs> up there, you know, he has all these bikes, so, you know, he might be a good guy to get a hold well, of as well. well my so. vision was having having a, the bike show here. Yeah. Because I'd, I'd, like, I'd love to have a bike show here. Yeah. You could fit a ton of bikes, and this would be yeah. fun, or maybe even fun to do a swap or sale. Or, oh, yeah, for sure. You know, trying to do something kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. So. Awesome. Well, uh. That's a podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really this is really fun. It. it was yeah. great. Yeah, we'll have to have you back. Yeah. Yeah, I would love that. Let's do it. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. All right. Bye. Thanks. Patreon.com forward slash driving while awesome. 
Go check us out on Patreon and please become a patron of our podcast. It helps us out a lot and you get some cool stuff in return. We give you a weekly podcast, which we title Experts in Automotive Opinion. I think we've done 60 of those so far, something like that. We also give you exclusive Patreon-only stickers, and we'll send you a sticker pack right when you join. Uh we give discounts and early access to certain events we do, like Camping While Awesome, and we give you first crack at our rallies. Check it out and join us on patreon.com forward slash driving while awesome. Thank you, guys.